0: here to deliver a message to have a song that creates a lot of energy. So I'm uh, thankful for the worship team. Uh, great job this morning. Uh, as you can tell, my new year resolution is to be a bit more stylish. Why can't you tell? I know what some of you are thinking, but you missed it last week. <laughs> but uh, actually, this is my, you know, shameless plug for our 2019 Texas Regional Conference, Theme Ignite. Okay? And uh, of course, the conference is right here in Dallas. And uh, we'll have disciples from Dallas, uh, from Louisiana, Oklahoma, and folks from other places joining with us for a great conference. Uh, So let's definitely be gearing up. You know, if it means wearing a shirt that says Ignite, do that. Uh, maybe it's just a matter of thinking through the logistics so that way you are there. But let's definitely be doing that. And of course, Ignite is not only the theme of our conference, but it's also the mindset of the, the members of the Dallas Church this year. right? We're, we're looking to really, and particularly this region, we're looking to really ignite the characteristics of Jesus in our lives. Uh, as many of you know that... Uh, You know, what we're embarked on this year, what we're involved in is a, you know, recommitting ourselves to walking as Jesus walked. And what I keep saying about that theme is that you can't go wrong with that. You know, if your goal is to keep in step with God's spirit, you will do that if you're striving to walk as Jesus walked. And now that's what we get to focus on here in the region and I, I'm excited. It's been great just reading this book as uh, our sister Raina shared about. Uh, but also, you know, just the other things that are happening in the region here uh, to help us to be more like Jesus and walk like him. And I'll share a little bit here today uh, as I get through the message. Uh, but it is uh, just a privilege to be up here. Uh, it seemed like it's been a while. So hopefully, as true what they say, you know, it's like riding a bike. Once you've done it, you never forget Uh, So, uh, let's really get right into it this morning. And you know, the, the, the title of the sermon is Savior and, and if you notice the capital there, Savior and Lord. And we'll get a chance here to connect with who is Jesus to you? That's the question I want to throw out there. You know, who is Jesus to you? What position does he hold in your life this morning? You know, we have to get that on straight. First of all, if we're going to be successful in our commitment to walk as as he walked, first, got to answer the question, who is he to you? I know you're probably, if you're married, you're looking to your spouse who's sitting probably on your right or your left, either way here. Uh, You're thinking, I know who that person is to me. That's, you know, that's my wife or that's my husband. But who is Jesus to you? I want you to consider this for a moment. You know, the more familiar we become with a person, the more disillusioned we become. You know, because at first glance, we see perfection, don't we? But after a closer look, we begin to see all the chinks in the armor. Don't look at your spouse as I'm reading this. Wow. I'm just trying to help you this morning. You know, no matter which hero you pick to study or emulate, this is true about them. I mean, it can be Alexander the Great. There are chinks. You know, it could be Abraham Lincoln. Great man. But there are chinks, and the closer we get, the more we'll realize what those are. And the the closer we study these individuals, the more their flaws are magnified. And you know, I don't care who it is you think about, whether it be Shakespeare, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Jennifer Lawrence, I don't know, David Letterman, I don't know who it is your hero is, (laughs) but... The closer you study them, the more their flaws are magnified. Now, the only exception is Jesus of Nazareth. He is the heroes of heroes. Of all the people who have ever lived, no one has ever influenced humanity or shaped society for the better like Jesus has. That is the truth. And with him... The closer you get to him, the more inspired, the more your own life makes sense, and the more you get to see who God has created you to be. So again, I ask you this morning, what position does he hold in your life? Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we'll read starting in verse 22, and uh, let's talk here about Jesus, Savior, and Lord. You know, in verse 22 of 1 Peter chapter 2, it says here, he committed no sin, talking about Jesus, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not even retaliate. That was my emphasis. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, church, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. The Bible said he himself, get this, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die the sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you, me, we, were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Amen. Amen. You know, Jesus lived 30 plus years on this earth. And we understand as we read the Bible that during that entire time, he's never committed one sin. And this is even more impressive when you understand that he was, com- he was tempted in every way, as you and I are. Because that's what makes it impressive to me. You know, he was 100% human, 100% God. So because he was 100% human, he was tempted, like you and I are. You know, you think about what are your temptations? Jesus encountered those same exact temptations, yet he did not give into to one of them at any point in his time on earth. And it's because of this he was able to take on our sins. I mean, as much as I love my wife, I just could not do it. I couldn't take her sins. I'm a sinner myself. That's the way it works. None of us could have done what Jesus did. You know, he rescued us from our own mess. Because the truth is, you know what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 19? It says, the way of the sinful is like darkness. They do not know what they trip over. So think about it. What is it saying? It's saying that you and I, because we all have this in common, we all sin that the way we live life because we're this way, it's sort of like turning the light off in this ballroom, right, where it's pitch darkness and asking you to go from one corner to the other without bumping into a chair. Virtually impossible. And that's really a metaphor for our lives. When we're bent on living a life of sin, we're tripping over all kinds of stuff. Even in moments of clarity when we want to do what's right, but you know what? Because of where our mindset is, we're unable to do that. You know, we're tripping over things. But this is what Jesus rescued some of us from. The Bible says that through his wounds, meaning his willingness to suffer on the cross and go through the hardship that he did, we can find healing. It's available to all of us, but only those of us who will decide to follow Jesus. So my point here is that Jesus is definitely worthy of the title Savior. Right, isn't he? I mean, he certainly paid the price. And he certainly considered you and I in our situation and had the heart to come and rescue us. So he's definitely a savior. But let's read that passage in 1 Peter chapter 2 again. This time we're going to read it a verse earlier. And the truth is this message about Jesus being a loving person and him desiring to save us, that's never really a hard message to swallow. We all want that. You know, we want the savior. But let's read uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 21. Look what it says. And again, this is just one verse earlier. It says, to this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. So you look at here again, just reading that one verse in verse 21. So it says here that Jesus didn't just die so we can all admire him. He didn't just die so good things can be said about him and we can fold our hand back, say, man, what a savior we have in Jesus. Oh, man, Jesus is a savior. That's not what it says. He said, actually, he was laying down a path for you and I to walk. It says you were called for exactly what he did, and that he was actually setting an example that you and I would follow. He was laying down steps for you and I to follow. You see, Jesus is both Savior and Lord. Those two titles describes him perfectly. You know, they are hand in hand. He can't be your Savior and not be your Lord. I mean, we get excited. We want want the Savior. But we don't get too excited about having a Lord or a Master. Someone who's going to tell us, hey, this is the way you are to walk. Here are the steps you are to take. That part we're not too fired up about. But you've got to see that it goes hand in hand. He did this, this is what He's calling us to. You cannot reject Jesus' lordship and still have him as your get-out-of-hell-free savior. It's totally, it, it's, it's, that's not what the Bible teaches. You know, if he is savior in your life, if that's the position, then that also means he's lord in your life. So I know what you're thinking, right? Some of you may be thinking, well, why don't I feel rescued in my situation then? Well, maybe it's because you like the idea of him being your Savior, but he isn't your Lord, right? Maybe this is why we're continuing to be stuck where we're at. You know, you're not committed to his way of life. You're not following the footsteps of Christ. You know, or maybe we're thinking, hey, listen, I I don't know what's up. I pray. I come to church. You know, I've, I've even made the effort to sit in a Bible study that I was invited to. But what's up? Why why does my life remain as it does? And I keep bumping into these situations. Or maybe not just bumping into the situations, but you know what? I don't know what to do in these situations. Maybe you're not walking as he walked. Maybe that's the reason. He died so we can be saved and have a path to follow. But we have to walk as he did. Church, friends, Jesus, yes, He's a Savior. We can't read about the cross and not be inspired by that. But as we can clearly see that what He was doing is really calling us to follow Him. That's part of it. The way of the cross is what we are called to follow. That's the life. You know, reading this book was just great. The book, The Cross of the Savior. You know, as we were, as I know for me, learning all these deeper insights about the cross and seeing people just like me and the attitudes they had around the cross. You know, you read about things like Jesus dealing with self-pity. I was like, oh, man, that's me. You know, you go through something and you just want to, man, it's just, you know, woe is me. Why am I going through this? But here's Jesus nailed to a cross, but yet he's telling people, look, don't cry for me. You know, you see things like being able to forgive when it's, when you're, you know, you're hurt. Yeah. Yeah. People are hurting you. Sometimes we justify our lack of desire, unwillingness to forgive because, you know, we're like, hey, they hurt me. But we look through the cross. Here's Jesus saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, all these great insights you pick up on and you're like, wow, Jesus is awesome. But then it's like, what he's saying is, walk that way. Great, glad you think I'm awesome. Because I don't think he says that, but he has the right to say, because I am. <laughs> I am awesome. Jesus is. But what he's really wanting you and I to do is follow his example. Do as he did. Walk as he walked. So how, how do we walk this way of the cross? How do we follow Jesus in the way he intends for us to hear? And we'll we'll look at here another passage of Scripture and really focus in on two practicals I think really will help us to not only live as Jesus being our Savior, where we have appreciation for his love, but also how to follow our master and Lord. How do we do that? And if you would, please turn to Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll start reading from verse 1. Okay. Come up here. You know, the, the first thing I believe is that we need to focus on him. The first point there is we need to focus on him. There, there's no way we will continue to follow Jesus if we're not looking at Jesus. If you're not focused on who he is, man, you you have a very slim chance of persevering, of continuing to follow him with a full heart. You will lose heart if you're not focused on Jesus. You know, in verse 1 of chapter 12 in the book of Hebrews here, this is what it says. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses— talking about all the great men and women in chapter 11 who held on to faith and trust God. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Check this out. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, I just don't think it could be any clearer. You know, the Holy Spirit there through the writer of the book of Hebrews basically is telling us, look, the only way you are going to be able to persevere and not lose heart in this race of life where we're following our master is that we have to be focused on Jesus. You know, it reminds me of, uh, you know, Peter, when uh, he said, when he decided he was going to walk on water as Jesus would and he got on the water and for a minute there, Peter walked. But when did he start sinking? He took his eyes off Jesus. So what areas of Jesus' character or life is the Spirit nudging you to imitate this year? What is it for you? You've got to identify that. We've got to be that deliberate. You know, if we are going to follow Jesus and really follow our Lord... We have got to be at a point where, you know what, we're, we're deliberate and we're conscious about, hey, you know what, this is the area in my life that I see I'm not like Jesus and I want to grow here. You know, I remember many years, I was baptized uh, 23 years ago, next month will mark 24, th- 24 years and I remember one of the things that was very common in the fellowship is people asking one another, what are you working on? You know, what are you growing in? And you know, the, the truth is, we can, we can get carried away with that as we can with anything, where we're making it more humanistic than it is really trusting God, but that's a great question. Hey, what, what are you working on? Which area of Jesus' character and his life are you trying to imitate? We've got to be able to, at least, even if you don't want to share it with someone else, which I suggest you do, but even if you don't, but have it. It's written in a notebook somewhere. It's something you're praying about, but you know, here's what it is. You know, I love the, the, the passage in Philippians chapter 3 that Mark read during our midweek service uh, a couple weeks ago, where it talks about Paul saying, man, I want to be like Christ. I want to know him. But it, what's awesome to me about that passage, this was about 25 to 30 years after he was baptized into Christ. And we know through history that it wasn't long after that that he died. So that means we don't ever outgrow this. We don't get to a point where we don't need to figure out how we need to be more like Jesus. That's not, we we don't outgrow that. It's always something that we're thinking about, we're working on, we're trying to be more like our master, our Lord. We're fighting to really grow in him. God wants that for us, and our effort is needed in the process. So there's no way we can get to that intended destiny without really knowing, hey, I'm looking at Jesus. I'm focused on him. What do I need to change? What do I need to do differently? You know, studying and emulating his life is a lifetime endeavor. There will never be a time where we will not need to focus on Jesus. It never will be. So let me ask you, how's your study of the Bible going so far this year? Like, what are you studying out? You know, the book that we started reading on the 1st of January only had 24 chapters. So here we are. This is the 27th day. So if you were, you know, you're a great disciple and you you started reading the book on the right day. So, I mean, you ended three days ago, right? Three or four days ago. So what did you pick up? What are you reading in the Bible? And, you know, and I'm not saying that to, to well, yeah, part of it I want to convict you. But it's not, it's not the only reason. I'm just trying to get our minds, stimulate our thinking, right? Well, we're at a point where, like, we got to be studying our God's Word. You know, perhaps what you want to do is you want to read through one of the four Gospels. That's what I started doing. You know, the, the Gospel of Mark is one of my favorite ones. I mean, so much action. Mark didn't even bother to do the uh, birth of Jesus. He just <laughs> wanted to get to the point where Jesus on the cross. I love it. So that's what I started reading. Maybe it's not Mark for you. Maybe it's Matthew. But going through it, maybe where you, at least this year, you can read through all of the Gospels. And you can be focused on Jesus. Because, you know, the Gospels focused on him. And maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you want to find a good book that fleshes out the character in the life of Jesus. You know, maybe it's a book that, uh, you know, compiles biblical information with extra biblical information that really helps you to see Jesus in a clearer way. Maybe that's what you want to do. But whatever you choose to do, let me encourage you to focus on Jesus. Because truth of the matter is God created yours and my brain that way where our brain will help us move towards what we focused on. That's the way it works. You know, uh, there is, um, there is a, a term that I guess scientists have used to describe just a bundle of nerves that are right at the stem of our brain. And the, the, the term they use is, Reticular activating system. I know Mike Messina may know that word, no, that term. No, okay, he's shaking his head, no. But the reticular activating system, as I said, is just a bundle of nerves at the, the brainstem, and what that does is it uh, that helps us filter out unnecessary information, so that the important stuff can get through. Right. And so that's sort of like why you can be, you can be in a crowd, right? And you're tuning out everything else out. But the minute someone says your name, you hear it. Or another way to explain this, it's sort of like for, for, for me, I'm a, you know, English is my second language. Okay. Um, so there are words that I learned for the first time that's been around since the, the English language was put together. But I will have heard it for the first time as an adult. And then I hear it, then I go to a dictionary, I open it up, learn the meaning. And then, for whatever reason, after focusing on that word, I go out into the world. It's like everybody's choosing to use it. <laughs> That's what your RAS does. It helps you to focus, or actually, what you focus on, it, it, it creates a filter. It helps you to go into the world and really move towards what you're focusing on. So if I'm focused on Jesus and I go out in the world, here's what's going to happen. And let's say, for example, I want to be more patient like Jesus this year, right? Maybe patience is your thing. And if you said it is, and I'll say you probably have a teenager at home. No offense, teens. Uh, we just want to be our best for God and parenting you. But it, it, sometimes it tries our patience because we know you're trying to individuate, right? You're trying to be more independent. And we're fighting all kinds of stuff. We don't, want to get, we don't want you to get hurt. So let's say patient is what you're focusing on. You want to be more patient like Jesus. If you're, as you're studying that out, you make that your specific goal. What your brain would, will do is that it will focus on that. It will create that filter. You'll start picking up on instances Well, you know what, yeah, I need to apply patience here. Or Jesus, that's a situation Jesus would have been patient in. This is what's going to come to you and you're going to move towards that which you focus on. But you know, the problem is for some of us, you know, we're not focusing on the right things. You know, what, what are you focused on? You know, what, is, what, what, what kind of filter is your RAS creating? Right? Because whatever it is that we choose to focus on is what we'll move towards. You know, your focus can't be on making as much money as you can possibly make above all else and not become a greedy person. If that's your focus, that's where you're going to gravitate. This is where you'll go. You know, men, you know, you can't feed yourself filth from the Internet and not expect to become a man who objectifies women and who is just horrible at building relationships in a healthy way with the opposite sex. Like, it doesn't happen. There's no way you can focus on that stuff and not become the stuff that is so far from who our Lord desired for us to be. So starting today, be a person who focuses on Jesus. Because Jesus is God in the flesh and because of that, you and I can't absorb all of who he is in a lifetime. It's impossible. Listen to this. Jesus was tender and loving, but not sentimental. He was zealous and fearless, but wise and cautious. He was unworldly, but not antisocial. Confident, but not arrogant. Self-sacrifice, yet still joyful. Urgent and responsible, but peaceful and unhurried. Often under attack, but always composed and never rattled. Wow. Strong and uncompromising, but not harsh. A man of dignity and authority, but still humble. A powerful leader, and yet a man of prayer and a servant of servants. I mean, you tell me. Yes, yes. You tell me. Can we absorb all of that in one lifetime? We can't. So this year you have to identify who, what what, what facet of Jesus am I going to grow and be more like in. So lastly, not only do you need to fix your eyes on Jesus, but you must also endure hardship as he did. You know, I don't know if you'll drop the 15 pounds that you're aiming for this year. I don't know if you will. And maybe some of you, you will hit that goal, you lose it, but then I don't know if you'll maintain it. So like, you know, and I'm throwing myself under the bus here. I lost 20 pounds last year, but I didn't maintain it. It's my goal this year to go back, lose it, but maintain it, right? But I don't know for you. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't. Whatever your goal is, I don't know if you'll reach it. But one thing I know for sure: in 2019, every single one of us in here will deal with hardship. The intensity of it will vary, right? I mean, for some of us, it may be it might, the, the the hardship we face this year may be a bit more intense than what we faced last year. For others, it may not be as intense as what we faced last year. And it, it will vary, but without a shadow of a doubt, we will each feel, I mean, experience a level of hardship in our lives. And look what Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 4 and 13, we continue to read there, look what it says about Jesus, our Lord and Savior. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten his word of encouragement that addresses you as father, a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what? Children are not disciplined by their father. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respect them for it. How much more should we... Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather heal. You know, I, I think about here when it says there in that passage, we need to endure hardship as discipline. That's the example that our Lord set for us, is to really trust God and know that he's doing or, or he's going to do something bigger and better with, with this situation we're going through. Uh, you know, as I was uh, putting this sermon together, you know, my mind went to our brother Derek Sherrod. Um, you know, I, I, a couple of days ago, we learned that Derek's brother was killed in a car accident. And, you know, Shar and I, as we were sitting there reading the text, and the, the, immediately my heart went to the fact that, it wasn't even long ago that he lost his father, um, and when I spoke with Derek on the phone, you know, he said, bro, I, I, you know, I'm doing okay right now, but please pray for my mom. Because obviously, she's still mourning the loss of her husband, and then now dealing with the loss of her son. And that, that's the way hardship works, doesn't it? You don't really get a warning. It just kind of happened. It comes. And there's really no words we can say in those moments to take the pain away. That's how I felt. I'm like, I, I didn't know what to say. But you know what? You don't need to be 43 years old like I am. I'm sure even the teens in here can, can attest to this, that, you know, life is not a bed of roses. It's not cakewalk. Jesus didn't have it easy, but there's a way in which he dealt with hardship where he trusted God nonetheless. Hardship, but you know, hardship don't only come in the form of tragic Situations. We also experience hardship when we're fighting the will of God in our lives. You know, we start struggling. It is because you know what we're we're having a tough time. We're going the way that God is calling us to go, not wanting to do what we know God wants us to do. That happens. You know, last last Wednesday, and I I guarantee you, this this situation I'm going to describe may show up for you in 2019. Last Wednesday, you know, after uh, a weekend and the first couple of days of the week, being filled with some great times of learning with the rest of the Texas, Louisiana, and Oklahoma leaders. I mean, I was wiped out, you know. It's like a good stuff we learned there, and I was like very glad we did, but wiped out. And then and, and, uh, in addition to that, it was my, birth- uh, my uh, daughter's birthday. She turned 13. Big deal in our family. And that Wednesday was her birthday, you know, she went to school, and we were planning to throw a party for her that following Saturday, which was yesterday, but, you know, Saturday, on Wednesday, we had, the men had our sector midweeks that we were attending, and so in the south, I was getting ready to go to our midweek, and then Char was trying to get us to do a little something for Danielle, you know, that evening, and I, you know, I'm like, I'm torn, I'm I'm tired, I'm I'm like, man, I wish I didn't have to go to service, (laughs) today. And I'm the one planning the thing, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) If that's me, I wonder how many other brothers were like, man, I wonder. But, and and you know, maybe that wasn't what happened to you on Wednesday, but it it may come in 2019. But you know, those are the moments where you've got to think about Jesus is Lord. Because I went that Wednesday, not because Pierre wanted, but because Jesus is Lord. That's what he's calling me to do, nurture my spirit, be with my brothers, and encourage one another. And you know how it goes, right? After the time, you're like, oh, this was great. You know, I'm glad I went. But truth of the matter is, there will be time where what you're wanting to do goes against what God is calling you to do. And that creates hardship. But will you in those moments remember Jesus is Lord, and I need to endure this as discipline from God? You know, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, you don't need to turn there. We read that earlier. It says, when they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He denied himself to do what he did not feel like doing. Will I follow Jesus' example and endure these hard situations because he says so? So this is how we are going to continue to follow Jesus. Certainly, we have to be focused on him, and we have to endure hardship as he did. And none of us are exempt from that. You know, as I close here this morning, I I really want to help you to think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying through his feelings, praying through what he's going through. The Bible said He sweat blood, dealing with his hardship. Why? Because he trusted God. And as he certainly has saved us and has set an example for us, my call to us this morning is, you know, let's live our lives as people where Jesus is positioned as Savior in our lives, but also as Lord. And we, we will be able to do that if we're focused on him. And also, if we're deciding that our mindset about hardship will be the same as his, and we'll push ourselves to be who he wants us to be. You know, in closing Hebrews 12, verse 12, I love that part of that passage we read, because it's saying as we do this, we will not only be at a point where we can live a life that's pleasing to God, but we can help others. It says, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather heal. So let's live our lives in a way that sends the message that Jesus is Savior and Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we uh, love you so much. And also, thankful for your love for us. Uh, thank you for not only ne- knowing that we needed to be rescued from our mess, but knowing that uh, we needed clear direction on how to live our lives. Uh, we know that you are a loving and thoughtful master and Lord. And we want to live a life where we're totally committed to following you. Uh, Father, help us here in the uh, Southwest region to be men and women who are focused on Jesus and who knows that the hardship will come, but will have the attitude that he did. Thank you for, for him, the example he set, his willingness to die on the cross as he did. God, as we uh, drink from this cup and eat this bread, help us to re- be reminded of the fact that you've done this for our benefit. Thank you. It's on your son's name we pray. Amen.